Hi, before I get to my next guest, Mitch Lawrence, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all weather performance with premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations so you can rep your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize. Check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now next up on the tee with me is Mitch Lawrence. You guys have heard me talking about Mitch's podcast, Talking Golf Getaways, for years. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, do a great job taking us around the U.S. and Canada to great places you can stay, play, and even eat. They're also a great resource when you need an emergency nine. But beyond his talents behind the microphone, Mitch is one of the great people you get to meet in this life. Tonight is his 11th appearance with me on the show, and I remain eternally grateful for that and for him. Good evening, Mitch. How are you, my friend? I am doing... I couldn't be better, Chris. I don't know how else to put it. I'm sitting on my back deck on a beautiful Myrtle Beach night, listening to you and Tom. And I might take just a couple of seconds to count one one thousand, two one thousand before I answer every question. <laughs> Probably a good strategy. I don't blame you. I would I'm trying to I'm trying to transfer what Tom's talking about putting to my response to your question. <laughs> Thank you. Dead silence at the end of a question is always great for radio. So I appreciate you doing that for me. <laughs> no, I am, uh, you know me, I am absolutely thrilled to be on with you, Chris. Anytime we get I to talk you. is a, is a, is a blessing for me. Same. I promise you. I thank you for saying that though. Mitch, I want to start. I had Matthew, as you know, on the show last week and we talked about the time wait, when the two wait, of you went who? to Augusta. You had who on? Your brother Matthew? You, you, you've heard of him, right? Matthew. Oh, Matthew. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was great, by Mom's the way. Mom's second favorite, I, right? He was great, by <laughs> the way. I, you know, it's, uh, sometimes we take for granted the people that were around all the time. And obviously I've been around my brother for 71 years now. So I'm, I'm kind of used to him, but I, I literally last week was listening to the two of you and listening to him and thinking, I don't know many people who are as, I tend to be a little more laid back, but I don't know as many people who are as passionate about a lot of things as my brother is and unabashedly willing to be that person. And I loved it. I really loved listening to him. So thanks. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I do every, every Sunday morning on Backspin Golf, shameless plug for Matthew. 
Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> but we talked about how the two of you went to Augusta National together a couple of years ago. Matthew's one and only time on the property. And, and I wanted to get your memories, not just of your time, obviously, with Matt there, but um, you've been there a dozen or so times, I think. And, and TV is amazing and you watch it, but it really never does justice to what Augusta National is like. What, what was it like for you having gone from watching it on TV for however many years you watched it and then actually having your feet on those grounds? What was, what, what caught you? Um, I don't, I don't think there are words to describe it. I really don't. Uh, I think for anybody who's seen it on TV, like all of us have and did, certainly, uh, your expectations of what you're going to experience are high to begin with. I mean, we have all heard and seen so much over the years about this place. Um, and I was excited a couple months before I knew I was going. Um, and the first time, the first few times I went was through the uh, good graces of my great friend Paul Himmels back here in Myrtle Beach, uh, whose wife Judy grew up in Augusta and has been going for, I don't know, 50 years. So I had obviously heard a lot about it, and then through them I got to go for the first time. And, and I think just driving, driving there starts you on the road. When you get to the highway on 20 and you see the sign that says um, Bobby Jones Parkway, and I mean, literally the hair starts standing up on the back of your neck. Um, and then you drive in and you find a place to park and you start walking. And as you get closer to the gate, that intensifies. Um, you walk through the gate and you, when you, the first time you actually get to the point where you see the golf course, it's literally like a dream. It's the only way I can describe the first. It's literally, and the amazing thing, I'll jump forward, is that every time you go there, it's like a dream. Um, but the first time was, I will never, ever forget it. Uh, I felt incredibly grateful. Um, the first time I went, I couldn't believe I was there. Uh, I, the first time I literally walked. Uh, you and Matthew talked about this, I think, but, you know, for years, we never saw the front nine. None of us. They'd pick up coverage. I'm old. They'd pick up coverage on the back nine. <laughs> so that's what we saw. We were used to seeing the drive on 10 and then the walk down and amen corner. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. So I literally walked through the gate and I walked to 10. And then I just started walking down 10. And like my brother said, and everybody says the first thing that hits you other than the the immaculate conditions which we've all heard about and it's true when they say there's not a blade of grass out of place that's not a lie that is literally what it's like everywhere not just fairways and surrounds but everywhere but the first thing that hits you is the elevation change uh on 10 and you start walking down the hill and the around the fairway on 10 and you cannot believe the first time you see it uh what the impact of the elevation is at the golf course and i hadn't like i said i hadn't seen the front yet so that was my introduction and then you talk about following up that and 
your mind racing to every great shot you've seen on 10. Uh, and then you're at Amen Corner. You start walking down 11, and you look at that hole, and then all of a sudden you're standing behind a tee on the 12th hole, and then you look up at the tee box at 13 back in the all the flowering plants and the azaleas and everything else. I mean, and you keep reminding yourself, I'm actually here. Um, it's, I don't know, <laughs> gets to me just talking about it. The only way I can describe it, and it's going to sound corny, except to people who love the game, which everybody who's listening to you does. It is literally a spiritual experience. That's the only way I can put it. And- it's interesting that you, that you that you say that. My first time, and I was blessed to go the first time back in two thousand and one uh, with my father and uh, and my uncle, and that was, you know, pra- we were there for a practice round, and we came in through the back gate, which lets you in. Uh, the first thing you see is the green on thirteen, and. <laughs> The timing was just right, and you know what a huge Jack Nicholas and Gary Player fan I am. Uh, and uh, Mr. Nicholas, Mr. Player, and Mr. Palmer were out playing a practice round together. And it was a cloudy morning, the cloudy drive all the way over. We walk in, we walk past the 13th green. We're walking down the fairway. As I see, that looks like Gary Player. And then Mr. Nicholas and Mr. Palmer come up. And at that moment, you know, again, my first time. A little worried about rain and that sort of thing. I see the big three and the sky clears and it was like, oh my, here I am standing on the 13th fairway, which is the most photographed hole in golf. The big right. three are walking up and the sky is clear. It doesn't get more spiritual than that. I would agree. What an amazing <laughs> moment. Holy cow. Yeah. And for you, when you went with Matt, and now he's, mm-hmm. he's there, obviously there for the first time. Was it like seeing it all over again through his eyes? Like for the first time he's yes. seeing it and now you get to re-witness all of that? Yeah. And I got to experience that feeling with my wife, Ava, um, who went with me after I had been. Uh, and the first time I went with her, it was the same thing. And with Matthew, um, it was, it was a joke. I mean, it was. Literally, you said you shared it with your dad and your uncle. Um, when you share, it's one thing to be by yourself and experience it. It's another thing to be with the people you love and care about and know how they feel about the game and experience it for those reasons. Um, it's There's nothing like it there, because you do literally see it through someone else's eyes as if for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty much walking around doing what you did, which is going, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Look at this. Look over there. Look at the, oh, my. and every hole, because we're so familiar with them now. And it's really the great thing. I love major championships moving around. I really do, because it obviously tests the best players in the world in a very different way. But there is something comforting and familiar and kind of off the charts cool about it being the same masters every year because we all know what to expect we all know what to look for we all know what shots are tough um we all know that the 
the back nine is going to be it on Sunday. We All those things we incorporate, and especially when you're there the first time you go to each hole, and it brings back memories of things you've seen and players and, you know, all of it together. It's like such an overload. Thinking back on it, I don't know how I got through it. I'm surprised I'm not in the mental. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's go there. All right. The other one of the other things Matt and I talked about is you guys have played in hundreds, if not thousands, of pro ams and celebrity events, and you've played all over the world and and that sort of thing. If you had an opportunity, if the call came and said, "Hey, Mitch." We got, uh, you know, a member that calls you up and says, Hey, Mitch, I got an opening. Why don't you come play? What would it be like for you trying to stick a peg in the ground on the first take? Oh, I, <clears throat> I have no, I have gotten to play some iconic courses. Um, you know, the old course jumps to mind. First off, uh, if you're into golf history like I am and you play hickories and, you know, you put a peg in, in the first tee at the old course and, Good luck. I I hit it somehow. Uh, I went right and it stayed in bounds, but somehow I hit it. Uh, I don't I don't know that it would be anything but that. I heard Matthew talking about you know putting a tee on the ground and at different places and your hands shaking and and that's true. I I don't think anybody who cares about the game would be so nonchalant and cavalier that they wouldn't have trouble actually doing that. I, I can't imagine it. No matter what you do, I mean, just for a second, think about you're a an opera singer and you get a chance to sing on stage with Pavarotti. I don't care how great you are. I'm not saying I'm a great golfer, mind you. I don't care how great you are. You're gonna you're gonna have nerves, and you know we care. It would be unbelievable. It, it would be unbelievable. And I'd keep thinking like I did while I was walking around. It's a dream. It's all a dream. Let's talk about a couple of other things that we've got coming up ahead of us. Right? We've got the PGA okay. Championship next month at Kiowa Island in South Carolina. I know Myrtle yep. Beach is a bit north of Kiowa. But speaking of great courses that you've played, have you ever played the ocean course there? I have. I've played it a number of times. I'm lucky there. Wow. I'm a member of the South Carolina ratings panel, uh, and I've gotten to play it at other times too, but we had a wonderful ratings panel outing there, and yeah, I've played it a number of times. Um, if it's not the hardest golf course that I've played, it's in the top three, for sure. Um, it's one of the most beautiful walks you will ever have, as far as being on a golf course. It's insane how gorgeous it is there. But it's really, 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 really... How many times can I say really before the word hard? <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> and if hey, the wind we, we got about another five minutes left in this segment, so yeah, go on. Great, great. If the wind, you know, if, the, if it's calm, it's just a really hard golf course. If the wind's blowing, because there's no... There's fairway, and then there's sand, pretty much. And the roll is unbelievable. Um, the shots into greens and the green complexes, it's a really, really hard golf course. And when you watch the best players in the world tackle it and do well at it, 
it's just another example of how they're on a different planet than most of us are. For real. It's, it's, it's such an unbelievable test of golf. So let's, let's talk about a couple of other courses that I know that you've played in South Carolina. Some that not all that far from Augusta National, starting with Palmetto Golf Club. Alistair McKenzie designed a very exclusive club. I'm jealous as heck to know that you played it. Um, what was it like being there? Well, all props to John Patrick, and this is one of those synchronous moments because I know John is following me on the show, um, and I love that. I can't tell you how much I love that. He's been a great friend for years. Um, so many unbelievable experiences with John, both as a friend and as a golfer. Uh, he was responsible in a lot of ways over the years for helping out with tickets for the Masters. Please, people, do not get in touch with John. I can't tell you the favors <laughs> I've had to do him just to get tickets. But um, he's been an unbelievable friend. And it's because of him that I got to experience Palmetto, which I'd heard about. And again, I'm a history guy. Um, and I knew about Palmetto and the history at Palmetto and uh, thanks to John and his great friend and somebody I had met a number of times, Michael Ash, who's a member at Palmetto, uh, I got to go. And again, it's like you asked me about going to Augusta when somebody says, hey, you want to go to Palmetto? Excuse me, what time? I don't care what's going on. <laughs> and so I did get to go there, and it's one of the really unbelievable experiences. Uh, and it is incredibly exclusive. Um, so... You know, not many people can get on it unless you know somebody. But um, part of the great thing about the game is that there's so many places that you can go and literally step back into the past. Um, and Palmetto is one of those places. It, has, it starts at the clubhouse, very unassuming, uh, with one of the greatest treasure troves of a of a room with memorabilia in the back. Um, not fancy, nothing fancy, just cases with stuff. And you, you could spend hours in there looking at the great people who've played, played there and been there. Um, the course itself, like you said, uh, 1892 was four holes. Um, which that always amazes me. The number of courses of that era that just started out as four holes or six holes or eight holes or whatever. Um, but a number of people got involved over the years. Um, there's a record of it was expanded to 18 in 1895. Donald Ross did some irrigation work in 28, and then in 32, Alistair McKenzie was uh, finishing up on Augusta National, and or as I like to call him, Doctor Al, um, he was finishing up at Augusta National, <laughs> and they um, asked him to come over and convert the sand greens to grass and to lengthen the course, and. Uh, there were people involved. He came over and did that, and they went through a lot of changes um, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, Reese Jones came in in the 80s and did some bunker renovations. That was done in the 90s. And then Tom Doak in 2003 came in, and I don't know that anybody really knows more about McKenzie than Tom Doak does, uh, and suggested they restore some of the old design characteristics like bunkers and expanding greens and that kind of stuff. And that was done um, around 2005. And now to give you an idea of what Palmetto is and what it's about, the resident architect at Palmetto is now Gil Hans. So uh, wow. the history there, the people who have played, Harry Varden, Bobby Jones, Hogan Sneed, Nelson Crenshaw, John Patrick, 
Michael Ash, Mitch Lawrence, the people who've played there is just off the chart. <laughs> we need to get Chris Mascaro somewhere on that list. I'm just saying. Well, hopefully that'll happen someday. I know, I know you'll appreciate it the same way I did. Um, and again, uh, you know, the people that you meet around these places is often as fascinating. You got to meet, uh, a guy named Tom Moore, who was the head pro there for 30 years, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And you want to talk about a treasure trove. Uh, Mr. Moore was just the nicest guy. And again, very unassuming, like nothing's going on. Uh, I went and I played it with my hickories which was a thrill, you know, it's, um, keeps reminding me of how truly unbelievable the game we play is. I try thinking about going to Wimbledon, picking up a wooden tennis racket and getting to play on center court at Wimbledon. Um, you know, the way they did, you know, years and years and years ago, we don't get the chance to do it, but in golf, if you're lucky, um, and there's places that are public that we're lucky to play, we get a chance to do it. I don't, I, it continually blows me away the, um, the connection we have to the history of the game. It really does. Palmetto is an unbelievably special place. And I couldn't be more grateful to John and Michael for, for getting me out there. Miss just a couple more before I let you go. And speaking of public places that you can play, Aiken Golf Club is another historic club not far from Augusta. Very public, <laughs> very affordable, oh, by the way. Talk about what yeah. people will see if they go play that beautiful golf course. Well, here's the thing about Aiken, and again, John Patrick, I'm going to owe him so much after this. I already do, <laughs> but I'm going to owe him so much I can't even. Um, on one of the trips, he said, why don't you meet me and then Scott Michaud, who um, for years and years was the only voice of reason uh, in terms of covering the Masters for the Augusta Chronicle. Uh, why don't you meet me and Scott, and we're going to go play Aiken Golf Club. And I kind of went, okay. I didn't really know anything about it. And this is what blows my mind, is that people don't know about it. It's half an hour from Augusta in South Aiken, South Carolina. Um, and I met the two of them there. And apart from it being one of the most fun days with the two of them I've ever had, uh, again, the history is a joke. The history is, I can't go into it because it's so involved. They went through a lot of hard times. The uh, first 11 holes were built in 1912. Through the years, they had a lot of uh, difficulties back and forth, the Great Depression. Uh, all kinds of things happened to this golf course. It became a public course during the Depression. Uh, and it was kept alive by a guy named Jim McNair Sr. And it's a name that all of us should know because he, he just, what he did for the game in that area. Um, was unbelievable. But anyway, uh, in the fall of 99, they completed a complete rebuild of the golf course. Uh, his son, Jim McNair Jr., carried on the legacy of his father. And that's a great story, which someday I'll tell you when you and I are having some single malt in a bar somewhere. But that transfer of passion to Jim McNair Jr. is just a great, great story. Um, I also found out when I went there that there was a woman named Mae Dunn, and this is somebody that nobody hears about either. She was the first female golf professional in the United States, and she came wow. and visited and came to Aiken and recommended special ladies tees, tees forward for the ladies to play. And this was early, 
I mean, this was early. So Aiken's actually the first club, the first uh, course in the country to have ladies' tees, which I think speaks to what you were saying, which it's a public, and I mean really public, golf course. Check this out. It's a fantastic, quirky, fun, unbelievable place to play. Really, really fun. Uh, other than Masters Week, ridiculously reasonable. Daily fee, $35 with a cart, $25 walking. Weekend, wow. $43 with a cart, 30 walking. Masters Week, it goes up to 120 a player, including a tea gift that they give you. And that's Masters wow. Week when it's, and it's jammed. You have to make reservations yeah. way in advance. It's one of those places that a lot of people don't know about. And if they're going, if they have a chance to experience anything around Augusta, uh, Aiken Golf Club is, is the place. You won't have a better time playing around the golf and walking a golf course. I promise. Mitch, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your wonderful podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. I know you were, uh, I think, doing a show or recording a show earlier today. So remind our listeners about what your show is all about and how they can go listen to it. That's, as always, very kind of you. Uh, Talking Golf Getaways, yeah, we did a great podcast today, which will drop on Friday with a guy named Malcolm Scoville, uh, who has something called Imagine Golf. You were talking about Tom Patry and how to work on the physical aspects of the game. Malcolm uh, has created a really, really cool way of connecting with the mental side of the game. So that was a great discussion. Um, Talking Golf Getaways, you can find it on GolfTripX.com uh, or on Golf Trip Experts is the Twitter handle. Um, and it's, you know, it's like you said, we try to tune people into great places to play, to go, to eat, to stay. Um, it's it's a privilege to be able to share all of it. Well, Mitch, I can't thank you enough, my friend, for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a huge thrill to get to spend time with you and hear your stories and your insights. You're fantastic, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. All your guests heap praise on you, and to me, there isn't enough praise possible to heap. I'll be trying to oh, come up with some I... new a new praise for you. <laughs> <But> thanks, man. <laughs> Always a pleasure. I love you. You know that. I love you, my friend. Take care. Stay safe out there. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Okay. Thanks, Chris. See you, Mitch. That's a great Mitch Lawrence. Again, Talking Golf Getaways is the name of the podcast over on GolfTripX.com. You've heard me talk about it for years because Mitch and his co-host, Darren Bunch, they, those guys do such a great job. So if you want to know about any place that you want to go, stay, play, and like I say, even eat, you got to be listening to their podcast. Nobody does it better when we're talking about the marriage between golf and golf travel than Mitch and Darren do. And uh, Mitch, you talk here, talk about uh, playing his hickories and that sort of thing. So you get, you get a lot of golf history. You get a, you know, one of the things that I love about what Mitch does and he talks about his hickories is he really is just playing for the fun of being out there in nature and being out on a beautiful golf course and being out with friends. It's not about score uh, as much as it is about enjoying the game and, and enjoying the people that he's playing with and all the great stories and all the great history that he learns. And it comes on this show and on his own and shares it. Fantastic stuff. I love Mitch Lawrence. I love most of the Lawrence brothers. They mean a, a huge amount to me, and I can't thank Mitch enough for coming back and be a part of the show again tonight. 